Hello, my praying people, and welcome to our third episode in the Truth About Women summer series that we're doing on the Prayer Clinic podcast. This is Leanne. I'm the founder of the Prayer Clinic and also an author and speaker, and I had the privilege of speaking at my own church on Mother's Day, and the assigned message that was given to me, the assignment given to me as a part of our Truth About sermon series was that um, the my husband, who is the senior pastor and our associate, our other teaching pastor, wanted me to speak on the truth about women. That message was so well received that I decided to expand it and turn it into this summer series that we're in. And the truth about me is that I know a lot of women who are a whole lot smarter than me. And so I've been using this summer series as an opportunity to um, introduce these women to you so that you can learn from their wisdom. And today, it's um, I'm just uh, tickled pink to use a wonderful woman phrase, one that I don't think I've used since um, my my college days when I almost pledged a sorority that had pink for its color, but I digress. It's I am tickled pink. I'm excited to introduce you to my sweet friend, Latan Murphy. Latan lives right here in the Middle Tennessee area over in a, another neighborhood in a part of um, this Nashville area. She and I are within driving distance of each other, and so we're able every once in a while to get together for a coffee date, one that um, is way overdue now. But um, on this podcast, we were actually able to get together while I was in Anaheim, California, and she was at home in Bellevue, Tennessee. And together, we discussed several um, stories of women that we find in the Old Testament. And Latan has become quite an expert in the lives of these women as she is the author of, I believe, her most recently published book. And that is called called Courageous Women of the Bible. Of course, her book deals with women of both the Old Testament and the New Testament, but um, for our conversation, we talked about these women in the Old Testament today. You are going to love the conversation that Latan and I had with each other. And so um, kick back, relax, or fold those clothes, or get those kids to that ball practice, or whatever it is that you're doing this summer, and enjoy this episode of The Truth About Women as we unpack the truth about several women in the Old Testament. Hello, my praying people. I cannot tell you how excited I am to get to introduce you to my friend, Latan Murphy. The sweetest thing about this relationship is um, one that we're still is still growing, and and two, every time we get together, we can't hardly get to the subject that we came together for because we got so many things we have to talk about. So, Latan, talking to you is like talking to my mother. I don't ever call her very often because I know when I talk to her, I just don't ever want to stop, and that's what happens with us when we get together as well. I don't know if that's a good thing, Leanne. I'm not sure if that's a good a compliment or uh, or not, but I'll take it as a compliment. I know you need to take it, your mother. Well, you need to take it as a compliment. And mama, because you're probably listening to this, you need to take it as a compliment too, because it's just, <laughs> I so enjoy my time with you and our hearts are so synced up um, as one. We have so much in common in our life. And uh, so Latan, thank you for being with me. And I want you to just introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of tell us a little bit about your family and your journey in ministry. And um, then we'll start talking about the truth about women. Well, first of all, I want to thank the Lord for Jennifer Kennedy Dean connection for her heart to bring you and I together for her seeing that our hearts were so similar and Mm -hmm. for that initial introduction literally the year she passed. That's right. So I'm just thankful for that. And so uh, it's just an honor to be here. I love your heart. I believe in all that you do to bless women and teach women. Mm -hmm. I, I love Jesus. I love coffee. I (laughs) usually wear my coffee on my clothes. (laughs) I love my husband who have been married to for 38 years this June. Um, we have three children and three grandchildren and two in-law children that feel more like biological children than in-laws. That's great. And we're all still growing up. We're still learning how to be healthy humans and how to just press into Jesus to be 
better every day. And um, it's just a blessing to be able to speak his name and to write about him and teach women um, what I know and what I've learned and, and from my own personal messes, be able to help them to see him in their lives. Mm -hmm. And Latan, you live now in the Nashville area, which part of Nashville are you in? I forget. I live in the Bellevue area. Bellevue, yeah, mm -hmm. right over. Those who don't live near Nashville won't know what we're talking about, but Bellevue is a little bit, a little bit west of downtown. I live a little bit south of downtown, and so we're neighbors here in Nashville. And you wrote a book called "Courageous Women of the Bible." Tell us about um, what what compelled you to write this particular book. You know, I, I didn't start out to write a book about courage. I began it as a Bible study about the women of the Bible. Hmm. And then I realized my fear was bigger than I thought it was my fear and, and I am anxiety about a few things concerning life and my children growing up and all the changes that were happening in my life. And, um, I think that our greatest messages are our own, our own life circumstances and our own struggles that yeah. if we think we have anything to say or to speak into anybody, Leanne, it needs to come from a place of our own personal struggles and the victories. Yeah, I don't mind the victory part of that, but I don't love the struggle part. I don't of like the struggles at all. <laughs> I don't either. Not at all. Not at all. But I love the overcoming part and the subtitle um, is leaving behind fear and insecurity for a life of confidence and freedom. Mm. And I love that part. I love the journey that God has had me on. And I love the journey he took me through in the process of writing Courageous Women of the Bible. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, um, we are in the middle, and this is the part of our Truth About Women series in this podcast. And to my listeners, I want you guys to um, know what Latan and I just shared with each other. And that is, this is a subject that neither of us really were, um, you know, sitting around thinking, well, somebody ought to really talk about that. <laughs> Exactly. But we are women. We are women in ministry. We are women in ministry at such a time as this. And um, I, I think that it's very important for those of us who are in ministry, speaking to women, teaching women. Of course, my ministry goes beyond the genders a little bit because I'm more of a prayer ministry person. But um, it's important for us in this day and age of such gender confusion to really understand how we um, see ourselves and know ourselves and serve out of our identity in Christ and, and how that goes. Because I think that so many women need that. We're not we don't understand. Obviously, there's much confusion in that world. And so I just recorded last week a podcast with um, Chandelier Chrisman, and she did such a beautiful job of unpacking the words that God used when he first created us. And that was Ezra Konegdo. And um, it meaning a warrior who comes alongside to help. And I don't know, Latan, if you got a chance to listen to that podcast or not, but I did want to ask you as we're stepping into talking, because we're going to talk about some specific women in the Old Testament that you've studied much about and written about, but I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are about us being these Ezra Konegdo creations of God. Well, first of all, when I think of the word help and the fact that God saw that Adam needed a help mate, uh -huh. That tells me that there was a need that needed to be filled inside the heart of a man, the, mm. the first original man created. Mm -hmm. And um, that thrills my heart to, to be reminded um, that in a world where women, and especially as I wrote Courageous Women of the Bible and saw how the women were so um, subjectified in many places, Mm -hmm. um, part of their stories were victimization, um, this very similar to today's world. Mm. Uh, it was a blessing to me to be reminded that God views women with the utmost respect mm. that he loves us, that he sees what we can bring to our men, mm. um, not in competition, but in completion. 
of mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. greater. So um, I just I just think that we're in a day now where God is definitely stirring this conversation. I'm so thankful you're willing to address it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that leads me right into a, a quote that I found online that I wanted to share with our listeners and um, lead us into thinking about how women, I like what you said about how not to compete, but to complete. And it's not so much in my mind that we're completing a man not as it all. is that we're completing the image bearing of God, of who That's God right. is, because right. there's a men bring um, a whole aspect of God nature and God characteristic and in just the maleness, you know, the masculinity, and then women bring another whole dimension of characteristics that are rooted in the um, divine, I, I don't know how you would call it, but the more, um, all of the things that make us woman uh, parts of God. And, and I use some thoughts, I don't have the references right now, but in the Old Testament in Isaiah, God used the reference of a nursing mother when he said, could a mother forget the child who is nursing at her breast? Yea, even though she may forget that child, I will never forget you. And I love that because I can relate to that. I've nursed children at my breast. And I know any woman that's listened to this knows that you it's biological impossible to forget that child because Absolutely. if you forget him if you're so mean that you would forget it your breasts are going to remind you right you can't forget it I've, I was a nursing mother also and you you know that you have something within yourself that has to be released that it, it's something that can bring um sustenance and and nutrition and life-giving properties and yeah. as you're talking I'm thinking that is what the Lord does for us. And that is how he uses yeah. a woman and a man that we each have those qualities to bring forth, um, together and separately. Yeah. And, and, and it isn't when I said the word need too for anybody listening that would misperceive the word need as, uh, Oh, you're saying that men are needy, that they are helpless, that they needed a woman. I didn't mean it that way at all. What I mean is it's a good thing to um, have need of something, because when we have need of something, we're going to go pursue the truth of something. And mm, so that's good. we know that we're created in the image of a holy God, and he is the truth bearer. Um, and with that, this completion we're talking about, we're created for one purpose. And that mm. is to represent him, to bear witness to this image that we've been created in, uh, and try to do it to a level that would bear witness to him in the uh -huh. most beautiful of ways. And I believe a man and a woman have been blessed together with togetherness, um, with that ability. And that's for single people too, you know, uh -huh. God, God completes us. So we yeah. have that completing property within us. I love that. And, you know, they're, everyone is hungry, uh, everyone, and, and what they're pursuing is a satisfaction for that hunger. And so much of that pursuit is rooted in who am I and why am I here? Mm -hmm. And I think in this um, discussing and unveiling truth about our womanhood, that's a big old piece of who we are and why we're here. So I want to I want to read this um, quote that I found on a website called MeaningfulLife.com. And the name of the article was Women and Men Different but Equal. And here's what he said. Though feminism rightfully calls for the end of male domination and abuse and for equal rights for women, it is vital to get to the root of the distortion that our focus in life as man or woman must not be simply to satisfy our own ego or needs, but to serve God. True women's liberation does not mean merely seeking equality within a masculine world, but liberating the divine feminine aspects of a woman's personality and using them for the benefit of humankind. Isn't that good? Really I mean, good. true women's liberation does not mean merely seeking equality within a masculine world, but liberating the divine feminine aspects of a woman's personality and using them for the benefit of humankind. 
And Latan, I think that's what you have probably discovered as you've studied these women of the Bible. And specifically, we're going to talk about a few of the women in the Old Testament scripture and how they um, live their lives in a very masculine world. You can tell us about that, but that they um, they lived within their womanhood and their stories are written because of the significance that they've had in our, our, our day today. I mean, everything in the Bible is there for the significance that the stories need to be told throughout the ages. So um, let's talk about some of these women. Um, who was like the, I think we had started, I gave you several that we would talk about. And so I went back to Exodus and I didn't go to Eve because bless her, we've talked about her a little bit in this series already, (laughs) but I did go to Jochebed, who was Moses's mother and Miriam, who was Moses's sister. So let's, let's talk about them for a minute and how their lives um, impacted their culture and, and sort of what made it unique because they were women. Well, it's so exciting to look at their lives and see their simple acts of obedience and how when a woman obeys the Lord, um, even through fear and anxiety and insecurities, when she really has a heart to do the right thing according to what God's word says is right, mm-hmm. that blessings flow out of that, Leanne, mm-hmm. for That's not good. just for her, but for others. There's a ripple effect um, of, mm. of uh, happening. And we know that um, Miriam and Jochebed played a direct role in surrendering Moses to the Nile River at a time when if he had not been placed there, he would have been killed like all the other boy babies Mm -hmm. were being slaughtered. Um, It was a form of genocide, really, of the firstborn sons Mm -hmm. to um, for, for Pharaoh to not feel so threatened by this nation that had grown to be massive and powerful from his perspective and he was so threatened by what he saw in them and if we could understand the kind of courage it must have taken for a mother to place her baby in crocodile infested waters that when I did the study and research some of them were longer than 20 feet long these crocodiles Mm. and so to think about you know a sister and a mother and the fear that they must have needed to draw strength from the Lord to overcome. Um, It's humbling. And then it makes me think about my own children and that there comes a point in every mother's life when we have to surrender our own children to places that feel scary. Mm. The world feels scary. Mm. Um, So you and I talked a little bit before you started your show, just about how if neither of these women would have been obedient, what then would have happened to Moses. And so this is a great example of how women, when they have the heart for God, when they have the heart to do right, according to God's word, not to be right, but to live righteous lives. Yeah. Then it is a touchstone of blessing for the men. And that's what the goal is, is that we are touchstones of blessings for the men in our lives and vice versa. Mm hmm. And because of their simple act of faith, they were able to save Moses, who would then lead the Israelite nation out of bondage, out of 400 years of imprisonment under a brutal hand of Pharaoh and out of captivity. These two women were able to set free a whole tribe, a whole nation of people Mm. by their simple act of obedience. Wow. I don't know about you, but that, that inspires me because I want my life to be about obedient living. Mm -hmm. I would love to think there's something in my lifetime that I would be able to do that could impact those I love in a way that brings freedom to their lives. Yes. And that and that we can even bring that kind of freedom to the men in our lives that we love. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. 
Well, is and and what's so great about this story is that Jacobed, like she, she did one thing, and that was let her son go. Mm-hmm. Like, and of course, you know, she got to come back and feed him and all that part of it, but she let him go. Just Sunday, I want to share this little story because it kind of relates a little bit to that. I think that um, if you're thinking about our own children, we as moms having to let them go into crocodile infested cultural waters that some of mm-hmm. us are not. Mm-hmm. And it's not by any chance my kids just left me. I didn't I didn't let them go. They they let me go and I didn't like it. But that's you know, you might find yourself in this place. But I Sunday just um, and today is is today Monday. When we're recording, I think it is Monday. So just yesterday, I was at our church that we, our church helped plant in Las Vegas, Nevada, with a pastor that used to serve at our church. And it just so happened that Sunday was their first day in their brand new building. They thought they were going to move in in March. And um, the building kept getting put off, put off, put off because of some of the codes and stuff that they were dealing with. And it worked out that they moved in the day that I was actually out there with them. My um, And we had come out, my husband on our way out here to Anaheim to the Southern Baptist Convention. And when I was there, what came to my mind was that 38 years ago, I was serving as a summer missionary in rural Nevada. Now, rural Nevada is not like rural Tennessee or anywhere else. And any of our listeners that are in the Southeast, it is not rural anything in Southeast. Now, if we have any listeners out West, they understand what I mean when I say rural. It is like desolation. You know, I was in these little towns of 45, you know, telephone numbers. And I did a phone survey in three hours of the whole community. That was the kind of places I served in. But there were no... um, Protestant churches anywhere, there would maybe be a Catholic church every once in a while and very much of a Mormon presence in rural Nevada. And so the Lord really used that summer to uh, break my heart over the lack of churches out here in Nevada. And I surrendered my life to vocational ministry, fully thinking that that meant that I would return to that area and serve God. Well, I fell in love with my husband at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and we came back to Tennessee. And in the early 2000s, I started going out to the Vegas area and leading women's conferences. And I I would get invited every year, two or three times to come to different churches around the area. So it was great because I thought, wow, look at God. He's, he's bringing me back out to Nevada, just like he said he would. And then in 2014, he, um, we were scheduled, my husband and I to come to a conference that was a church planting conference for Nevada. And I was so excited because for the first time, my husband and I were going to come out to Nevada together. At the very last minute, I had to cancel my trip. And uh, instead, this pastor who was serving at our church took my place on that trip and he came out here with my husband and the Lord called him to go and start a church in Nevada. He's never been happier. He's so excited. He's wonderful. He's great at what he does. And he's even been a part of planting a couple other churches in the, in the six years that he's been here. And now they're moving into their building. And um, I was putting all that together. And what I was thinking about was how 38 years ago, my heart broke for what God's heart was broken, breaking for. I yielded myself completely to be obedient to whatever it was I was supposed to do. And totally without my help, I mean, pretty much without my help, God's been building churches all over Nevada. <laughs> and it was just a great reminder that when we are, if we surrender ourselves to what we feel like God's calling us to do, and we just let it go. And then I got tickled at how I was so impressed that God could do it all without me. Like, Lord, how'd you do that? I mean, literally all I did was not get on the plane to come out here. That's all. That was the only contribution I made. And so, you know, it was just a a good reminder that the Lord is always going to work. There's a verse in Jeremiah chapter one, verse 12, that says, um, the Lord says, I will watch over my word to perform it. And when God gives you a promise, he's going to keep it and he will watch over it to perform it. We don't have to watch over it to perform it. He does that. So I don't know, but that's just what comes to my mind when I think of Jacobet and and Miriam, they merely just did what they could do. And I'm sure that Jacobed wasn't thinking about the salvation of the whole Israelite nation or all of the slaves being set free. She was 
she just had a baby that she didn't want to have to die. And she was doing what she could keep that baby alive. And, and she and did it. think of putting their baby in crocodile infested waters. How, how yeah. creative, how resourceful, yeah. how wise to yes. think beyond the normal. Um, and I think the Lord's asking us to do that. He wants us to think outside of the box yeah. for these times that we're living in um, and participate in what he's doing. And so good. I love that. And I love yes. your story too. That's just so encouraging to know that God doesn't need us at all. It's a resting uh -huh. point for me, really. <laughs> what relief that he chooses to use us though. Yeah. Right. And it's humbling. It's it just is. humbling to me. I, I'm always amazed. Yeah. Very much so. Okay. Another woman that I wanted you to chat about a minute was Rahab. So Rahab is this prostitute that lives in the walls of Jericho. When the Israelites are now, we're, we've moved forward a, a few uh, decades and they're going into the promised land. And so we have this prostitute that takes in the spies and protects them and gives them the information they need and then is saved from the invasion that annihilated everybody else except for her family. So, um, so talk about, talk to me a minute about Rahab. Rahab. I'm, I'm actually been writing about her this week, Leanne. Oh, um, uh, if your listeners could see my face right now, I'm smiling because <laughs> she has ministered to me in such a personal way because she's proof that God can use anybody. Oh, that's good. God wants to use all of us. There's not one of us more special, more talented, no, more this or more that. He sees us at our core and he sees a heart that's willing for change. Mm -hmm. And I personally believe after studying Rahab that he saw a woman who had a heart to change, a woman who had a heart to be part of what he was doing. I love it. And um, she put her yes on the table. And in doing that, she too saved a whole bunch of men, women, and children um, by her simple act of obedience and tying the scarlet cord in her window, yeah. doing it exactly the way she was told to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I've tried it both ways. I've done things my own way, and I've added in a few little steps here and there that weren't part of the equation that God was uh -huh. asking me to do. <laughs> and I'm just being real, but uh, I've also followed things according to what he said for me to do, what he whispered for me to do, or what I read in his word that I was feeling his heart yeah. leading me in a certain situation. And things go so much better, not just for me, but for every person that, mm. that is in connection with whatever that is. And mm -hmm. I love that Rahab, uh, was faithful to keep her word. And because she was faithful to keep her word, God was faithful to keep his word as well. And the mm -hmm. spies protected her and protected her entire family. I love the fact that she was a prostitute and that she was um, not Hebrew. And yet she's woven into the bloodlines of Jesus. Isn't that cool? It's pretty and, awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. And you know, there's, there's no need for anybody listening to shrink back from, mm. from Jesus, because he is the kind of God that wants to use us to just, to just do great and marvelous things that we can't even conceive of. He says that in Jeremiah 33, three, he says for us to call on him and that he would show us great and marvelous things that we can't we can't even begin to think or imagine. Wow. And um, it doesn't matter what mistakes we've made in the past. It doesn't matter what other people think of us. If Rahab would have stood there thinking, well, here's the facts, y'all. I'm a prostitute. These people are not going to blah, 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 blah. There's mm -hmm. no point in me tying this in the, my window. Right. It won't make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um if she would have talked herself down like we do as right. women. Right. She'd right. have missed all that. Yeah. Yeah. So and they good. would have missed, they would have missed it. 
Yes, yes. I do love, and you are making the point, um, Latan, that each of these women, by their obedience, didn't just have a great personal experience during their lifetime, but because we're looking at them from a, a high, high view, we're seeing them out of the context of history, ancient history, we see what a difference that made on down the line. We see the impact of those acts of, of obedience to the Lord and what a, that should be a really um, inspirational thought for us as we are uh, considering obedience or disobedience at every single turn. And just to think that not only does that affect our lives, but it affects everybody around us and, and people to come for generations as well. So, okay, let's jump to Deborah. Deborah, I, you know, I've always loved her because she's such a leader. And of all of these people, she seems to be the one that I'm like, you go girl, because you just stepped right on up into a man's world and, and you took on a, a role of leadership. So let's talk about Deborah for a minute. Well, I love her humility. She could have been just a narcissist and said, you know, God, if you're not going to lead, then either, you know, get out of the way, just get out of my way. Mm -hmm. but instead she pointed out the truth. And I think that if women could be truth bearers, we would see such fruit in our lives. If mm. we could be women of truth where we don't water it down, we don't add to it. We don't take away from mm -hmm. it. We stay with whatever the, the truth is and try to live by it. And she went to Barak and told him that he was God's appointed person to lead the nation against Sisera. And in that time, Sisera was powerful. Um, he had 900 iron chariots. It would have been like a, a, a massive fleet of, of army tanks and every kind of equipment we could imagine in today's time. He had the top ranking heavy duty equipment, but God had the whole ecosystem in his hands. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he, he was able to fight against this. He can war against the enemy, Satan and crush him. And it requires our obedience to be able to be a part of his greater kingdom purposes. And Deborah's humility proved and opened the way for Barak to be able to be courageous enough to do what God had called him to do, because he, in fact, said, I will go if you'll go with me. Mm -hmm. So that told me that God had given some nudge inside of Barak that he saw the power of God on a woman and mm -hmm. he wanted what she had. Mm -hmm. he, he forgot about gender. He forgot about who the time frame in which they lived where women would not have been elevated for sure wouldn't have been honored in those types of roles. But the power of God must have been on Deborah in such a powerful way that he wasn't thinking in those terms at all. All he knew was, I'm, I am afraid to face this enemy. I know what this enemy is. Yes. I'm not sure I'm equipped to do this alone. I see the power of God on you. I want you to come with me. Yes, that's very good. She was a genuine Ezra Connecto, really, for him. For and that's what I love this example because, um, he was not her husband. She was married. And so I'm sure she was that in her life as a wife to her husband, was married. but um, this is showing how that relationship works. And we could even see it this way in ministry and how if um, men in ministry and women in ministry doing together. And when you see anointing on a woman, I mean, what a, what a man who says, I'm going with you because I see that anointing. I want that on me too. I want to be a part of that. And somehow I agree with you. I think that's, that's where it was. I mean, we all kind of laugh and we're like, you go Deborah, but this is a good point you're making is that he was wise enough to recognize the power of God and the direction that God was giving him through her. So that's good. And one thing that struck me too was Deborah's husband must have been confident. He must have been confident in who he uh -huh. was uh -huh. uh, as a man of God himself. Right. For him to recognize that she had a call on her life that was set apart and purposeful yes. and to not discourage her. There's nowhere in God's yeah. word. Does it say that he discouraged her or said, wait a minute. Now you're a woman. You need to go sit down. Yes. You need to stay under the palm tree and just sit there right. and do what God said you could do. Yeah. 
that's kind of what we do sometimes. And I know I'm stepping into some muddy waters here. Just go for it, girl. You say what you need to say. <laughs> but, I, but I think that, in, as I said, you know, I really want to stay with biblical truth, not water it down, not add to it. If we stay with the biblical truth of Deborah's story, we see a woman who was fearless, not because she thought she was all that and a pot of buttered grits, as I say, and I do <laughs> love buttered grits, but because she knew who God was. She knew who she was in God. Mm, she knew the power of God that rested within her to yes. even have confidence to sit under a palm tree and have this exhausting job of an entire nation of an Israelite army coming to her personally for direction and wisdom and advice. And to still not have that narcissism in her to say, look uh -huh. now, buddy, I've been the voice piece for the nation here. So really, I know God said you're supposed to lead, but since you're wimping out, it should be me that leads. She, she uh -huh. never, ever positioned herself in a greater than thou mentality, or I am woman, hear me roar. I'm going to uh, go ahead I... of you, no matter what God says, she was humble enough to say, God says it's you. You know, man up and lead was the name of the chapter that I wrote about Deborah. Wow, if, if that's anything good. I think we need nowadays. It's the cry of us women that we want to see our men lead us. Right, right. You know, Latan, as you're talking about that, I've been on church staff for a lot of years, and um, I serve with some great women leaders on church staff, women that are serving right alongside. I, we have a children's pastor that's a woman with a youth pastor that's a man, and, you know, watching the dynamic of men and women serving together on church staff for the kingdom work. And in my mind, the times that that has worked best is in situations where it's just like this. And I've had the privilege of serving with men on staff who are not at all threatened by our gifts of leadership or um, the, the, yeah, the unique giftedness that we have, like Deborah had leadership, she had discernment, she had um, calling on her life, and she had doors that got open for her. And that could only work in a place where men are not threatened by that. They don't feel like something's going to get out of control if these women, you know, get too much leadership and, and that kind of thing. But I also have served with women that never once did any of these women want to do or take away from how God gifted men to be. And so, and I know one woman that I have really admired in ministry and I've, I literally watch her lift men up, like the men that are the leader leaders, the senior pastor, the executive, you know, leadership of the church and her, her honor them and, and serve them. And she herself is a leader in her own right, but it's worked so beautifully in our church staff because there's a great respect for for what women bring to the table and then also for what men bring to the table. And I think in a lot of ministry, the church is lagging behind and church. I want to tell you, if there's any pastors listening to this podcast, we got to get that together because the world sees it and they're not impressed by that at all. And it hinders the gospel message. And so I just think that we all have to check our hearts and make sure that before God, we are wide open to how God wants to use people in ministry. And then women, I would say, check our hearts and make sure you're not out there trying to elbow in and, and do what a man does and do it better than a man. That's not what we're called to do. Now we could, we could probably do that if we want to, but that's flesh. And I also, I want to share this one thing too, and just saying about this is um, I, we had a woman in our church that had come to church with she and her son for years and years and always praying for the salvation of her husband. Well, one, and her husband was saved, ironically enough, Latan, when she was out of town with some of her girlfriends in another whole city. And her husband took the son to church and heard the gospel and got saved while she's out of town, which was really great and fun and good because she'd been trying so hard all those years. Well, once he was saved the next Sunday, I think it was the next Sunday when they were both home, um, it's Sunday morning and she's like getting up, but she's not necessarily getting her son ready for church. Her husband's not planning on going to church. And he's like, well, aren't you going to take, um, you know, our son to church today? And she's like, no, I'm not the spiritual leader of our home anymore. That's your job. So you'll decide if we're all going or not. <laughs> 
So she vacated the seat, you know, and by her doing that, he stepped up because he was like, well, yeah, I want him to go. So we better all go. And I just always thought that was such a great example of a way. See, men also, especially Christian men, they're not going to bully their way in necessarily. If a woman is leading, they're going to be like, okay, well, we'll just let her lead. But what we need to do is vacate some of those positions of leadership, maybe, and leave it, leave it vacant until the men, you know, rise up in some situations, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think that's good. And I think that's, you know, I, I've, I've never pursued speaking um, to men, but God has opened doors for me to mm-hmm. speak to whole congregations. And when he has, it's an honor and one that I don't take lightly, one that I go into with fear and trembling because I have so much respect for men leaders. I had a wonderful godly father who set the example for that, Mm -hmm. um, who led our family in such a beautiful way. When I think of him, I see him in my mind, kneeling beside his recliner, uh, praying every single night, calling every one of our names out in prayer. Wow. Um, And just the way he served God's church body, the way he supported the pastor um, in every way possible. Uh, those are the benchmark. That's my benchmark. And, um, I love that my husband leads my home. I love to see him reach out to our children, call them, pray over them. Mm -hmm. love to see him serving in our local church here. I Mm -hmm. I just think there is a strength. There's an anointing on men to, Mm -hmm. to, um, go ahead of us and, to also have confidence to allow us to do the thing that God has positioned us to do. Yes. And um, I just, I just can't say enough about the damage that I feel we've done in attacking one another. That if we could just go back to God's word and see that there are really solid godly women in God's word, actually 52 women who are noted in his holy word that were used in such pivotal ways Mm-hmm. Um, that were the forerunners for Jesus that were actually first evangelist to go and tell <laughs> what Jesus had done. The woman right. at the well was the first evangelist, actually. Yes, yes. Um, John 4. Yes. And, um, you know, there's just so many good, good things that we can learn from each other, that we can sharpen one another. And as you said, empty a seat so that someone else can step up and lead mm-hmm. man up and lead. As I call that chapter, the first mm-hmm. chapter in courageous women of the Bible. Um, but Deborah also was an example in the fact that she spoke into Barack and, um, and said, let it be known this day that the hands of the enemy will be the, the enemy will be turned over to the hands of a woman. Now, those listening might have thought, wow, she thinks she is it, girl. Yeah. She thinks she's going to win this battle. Deborah had the humility that she wasn't talking about herself. Yeah. <laughs> she just had truth in her, that same truth that she planted herself under the palm tree to give out to the Israelite nation, that truth that is the heart of God himself that resides inside an obedient woman's heart, an obedient man's heart, this truth that slices through the lies of the enemy and that raises up people who are willing to be leaders. That's what she had inside of her. And that is what I want. Amen, sister. And let's move on to who she was talking about. So JL is the one who actually Mm -hmm. won over the enemy. And of course, her story is one of my one time I did a little series on Wednesday nights at church with our women about the um, I think it was like the weird stories of the Bible or something. And JL made the cut. She was one of the ones I told because she's the one that that nailed him, you know, put the tent peg through the guy's head. What was the guy's name? The enemy leader? Well, Cicero. Cicero. And the thing that's so neat about her is that she wasn't this flamboyant person that, you know, we think of the threat of a woman being on a platform is a big threat to people. Right. But there's even a greater threat when a woman rules her household in a godly way. And Deborah, um, Deborah pointed out that the enemy would be turned over to the hands of a woman, but that woman was not on the muddy battlefield where the rivers of Kishon had flooded. She was not anywhere near there. She was at home in her tent. (laughs) I love it. And the enemy 
came to her door. And when the enemy came to her door, Mm. she had the courage to do what needed to be done. The women in her day were strong physically and they were capable and they were the ones who pitched the tents when they traveled. uh, Many of them were nomadic and went from place to place. Mm -hmm. So she was very physically equipped to take care of this enemy Mm -hmm. because we know that God's word says that she took the tent stake and drove it through Sisera's head while he was sleeping. Oh, goodness. So that's a pretty graphic story. Um, but I, I think that the point for us today is that we can learn that, um, in the same way, where's the other scripture verse that we've heard time and time again, what's in your hand, what's that in your hand, use what's in your hand. Moses used his staff. Mm-hmm. JL used what was in her hand. Mm-hmm. It was her everyday life. Mm. It, was, it was her platform. Her home yes. was her platform. Mm. Wow. And I can tell that when you wrote about is she's in your book, JL. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I can tell that you probably really drove home the fact that the enemy is going to come to our homes and we take jurisdiction over that. I mean, that is a godly woman who's going to go to battle to an enemy that infiltrates mm-hmm. her home. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, many of our the listeners here on the Prayer Clinic podcast know that I've written two books on spiritual warfare and I'm a real believer in going to battle for on the spiritual battlefields for the, li- the hearts and the lives of the people we love. And I think that a real part of how God made us. And this is what was so liberating and taking this deep dive into, into biblical womanhood is realizing that the power and this, this fight that rises up in us, the world has told us that that's not womanly, that's you being masculine, you know, so either the guy has to bump over and give us a chance to be masculine with him, or, um, you know, we've got to suppress that if we're going to be a godly woman and not be that way. But what we've discovered in biblical womanhood is the fight in us is very much a part of the way God has made us. It's that it's that word for warrior, either that um, the the Israel it's used 21 times in the Old Testament and 16 of those 21 times it was used to refer to the to God himself when he comes alongside to be the the warrior victory for Israel. And then several times the word is used four times, I believe, to reference nations that came to Israel to their aid to come alongside and fight. And so when we have this mama bear, you've heard it called the mama bear, that is very much a biblical and a godly response to what's going on in the world. Now, how we behave with that and what we do with it and making sure that we're fighting the right enemy, that's all, you know, a part of the Lord allowing us to be discerning and keeping our heart in check and, and that kind of thing. But I love that idea. And I've always thought it's such a, a gruesome and kind of gory. I think what I called it when I taught it was a gory story is what I called it a gory story, because just the imagining of that, but that was that day and age. And I love the point you're making that she was a very strong woman. These women were not wimpy because they were doing hard labor kind of work all the time. But, um, in the same way, what gets my little 21st century ire up in the warrior and me that comes awake is when the enemy's going to mess with the people I love, I, I'm every bit willing to, to put a tent peg through the temple of his head in whatever way I can. And we know that the way we fight is on our knees with the praise and worship and with um, the, the word of God. And so as we do that, we I know that um, some of us would like to really penetrate some enemy enemy activity with some tent pegs today. I'm just saying mm-hmm. <laughs> we'd like to do that. Right. We? That's right. And I, I love that when the Lord saw that Adam um, needed a helpmate, I love that the Lord refers to us in that way, because then later we see where Jesus says that he would send a helper, that he would send an advocate. Yes. Uh, can you imagine what could change, how effective we could be in the body of Christ if we realized we're all on the same team? And yes. if we could just come together and we could understand that a woman can advocate for the men 
Yes. And that the man can support the woman and uh, admonish her to be able to lead and to acknowledge that she might be a Deborah for this modern daytime when the culture needs voices of wisdom to speak Mm -hmm. truth in love to Mm -hmm. a generation who knows very little about the heart of Jesus and his love for the world, why he came. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've all just messed up Leanne. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's grace for all of us in this and that mm-hmm. we can all learn that, that we can all relearn mm-hmm. better ways of working together for this one single cause of yes. being image bearers. Yes. Jesus. Well, and I just love that there are unique ways that each of us can do that. And you are absolutely right. And I, I think it's our carnal nature and our humanness, our fleshly nature that makes it very hard to do that because it takes a lot of humility and a lot of um, other otherness, you know, focusing on others more than ourselves when we're circling up to get a task done and then to appreciate. But the best projects are accomplished when everyone who can contribute to it each brings their giftedness and has an environment where their contribution can be readily received. And when that can happen, then everybody's bringing their best to the table and we're not having to squander our resources trying to figure out how to make room for each other or, you know, um, uh, being territorial or whatever. It's when we all come together and don't care who gets the credit just because to God be the glory, right? That's what we say. And then just bring our best giftedness and be able to serve, not even worrying about. Nobody's having to worry about it because nobody's drawing lines in the sand because we're all just there to serve the Lord with what giftedness he's given us to work together for his glory. What a what a glorious place that would be. <laughs> it would be amazing. Um, amazing. Well, let's take just one more woman to talk about. And um I'm going to let you pick which one she is of the one that I put in the list. Cause you know, better, which well, ones you, that you... you had suggested Esther. Um, okay. Let's talk about her. Or is that the one you don't want to talk about? I, I love all the women of the Bible. All the women of the Bible. So, I love I all the women of the Bible. I feel so Bible. called to that. I feel, I can't wait to meet these women when mm. we get to heaven and be able to sit with them and have some really good coffee. We can't even imagine coffee getting better, but you know, if we're in heaven, it's going to be. Ooh, the best I hadn't even thought about that till today. Know, That's girl. a good thought right there. Mm-hmm. I know. And get to, to meet these women and uh, just, mm. it's going to be so neat. We have all these girlfriends in, in heaven that we get to learn from, mm. but we know that she too stepped up in a time that wouldn't have wouldn't have been by choice for sure, right? Um, the king, Artaxerxes, had a banquet. He had given out way too much wine and drank too much mm-hmm. wine and wanted his wife, Vashi, to entertain his guest. Mm-hmm. And she refused. I think I would have refused as well. Right. But to refuse the king was not okay. And right. so he got rid of her. And, um, as God would have it, there was Esther who, um, the opportunity presented itself in a time when the Jews needed safety and protection because, uh, Haman was going to one of the King's cohorts was, was devising a plan to get rid of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And God positions Esther. He used what she had as well, which was her beauty as an inroad into a place that she never would have been able to be positioned mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, boy. So she earns the respect of the king. She's able to, with her, her family member Mordecai, protect God's chosen people and keep them from utter destruction. Yes. One act of obedience. Again, I I just am thinking like, what is the one simple act of obedience the Lord is wanting from each of us Hmm. that could make 
that could bring that kind of change to a world in our day and time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I love about um, each of these stories really is that the women were all serving. They did not orchestrate the platform that they had. It just came to them. And like you were making the point in um, JL's life, she's just going about her normal business. And of course, so was uh, Rahab. And for that matter, Jochebed. I mean, like everybody's just living life, not looking to make a huge impact on the world. And it was their, their, humble obedience to God and their reverence for him. Some people would call that fear, their fear of the Lord, meaning that they had respect and honor for him more than for their own lives, even because Esther really went out of her way and put her life on the line, especially after Vashti had denied the king. And then for her to ask for something from the king was also pretty forward in her time. And she was she was courageous. I think you've got a great title for your book, Being Courageous Women of the Bible. It takes a lot of courage to step into who God made us to be and to trust him that when the, he will orchestrate the circumstances that open the opportunities for us to, to serve him. And I think, um, Latana, in my own life, sometimes things come my way that I wish wouldn't, and they're not things that I brought my way. They're things that um, right now I have grown children. They're some of the places I find myself. I'm there because of decisions that my grown children have made. And um, many of us, I think it's a part of being a woman. We may even find ourselves living in a place that our husband chose, you know, or making a career change because he chose that. Like, you know, there's just, that's a part of being a woman. We find ourselves in places we didn't choose. But what we need to realize is that God's fully aware of our, the, um, the limitations, the boundaries that come to us in our culture as as women, and he knows how to use us in spite of all of that, like, and and maybe even because of, in fact, one of the things that I've begun to do is in my most painful places, and I think you mentioned this at the beginning, talking about how God uses us wherever we are, that I'm starting to look, well, Lord, why do you have me in this place? It's because you love the people that are in this place. Mm -hmm. So instead of kicking and screaming and busting about being in this place, how can I be the best image bearer of Christ in this place Mm -hmm. and take advantage of that and just lean into the Lord for him to use me wherever it is that I am. That's so good. And I love the thought of using us wherever we are. And, Mm -hmm. and I love the thought of, you know, God didn't ask them to be anything other than what they were. He did not ask them to bring some, magic trick to the table to look impressive he he literally asked them to come as they were in the lives that he had positioned them in yeah and to use the tools that he had given them in their day and time Mm -hmm. um and i just think that the lord wants all of us to understand that his wisdom is so much greater than what we we underestimate his wisdom Mm. And, um, this was so good for me to be reminded tonight, you know, that God's power is, is so big and so great that he can turn the world on its axis in a minute. There is nothing too big for him. And there's no plan that can be changed that is in his heart. That's been written on the heart of God. That's good. That's good. That's Job 42 too. The plans of the Lord will not be thwarted. Mm-hmm. That thwarted is one of my favorite words. The plans of the Lord will not be thwarted. <laughs> I love that. I love it. You say it really That's, good too. Uh, well, Latan, as we close out, what would be like your last word to, and think in terms of, I would say our daughters, like the 20 something year old women. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, just to kind of sum up what we've learned from these Old Testament women and And yet in the context of our culture today, what would be your word of advice to them? Well, you know, the last Bible study that I led at the Hills Nashville here this past spring Mm -hmm. was one that I felt led to write myself. And it was a group of 10 women that I feel like the Lord just put in my heart to talk about. 
that were um, sinful like us, that needed a savior like us, that needed redemption like us, that needed forgiveness like us and needed a fresh start like us. And Mm -hmm. like every woman listening can relate to one or two of those things and maybe all of them. And the title that I felt like he wanted me to talk about the topic was confident value. And I thought that was so strange. And then he began to unveil that if we don't have confidence in who he is, we cannot move forward in the value that we can bring to the world around us as women. Ooh, that's good. I like that. I'm writing it down. If we do not have confidence in who he is, we cannot know our own value and what we can bring to the world as women. There's no way. Um, I think when we can understand that our confidence begins and ends with our creator, with the one we talked, we started this podcast out talking about the image that we were created in the holy image of God. Mm -hmm. And if we can, if we don't understand it, and I don't think any of us can understand it as long as we live, what a gift that is and what that really truly means. But if we can can say, I am created in the image of a mm. holy God, mm. that brings value yes. to my life just by yes. speaking that out loud. It makes mm. me want to pursue God and to move in what he created me to be. So I want to say to the young women, the older women who've lost heart, whatever age group your listeners are, mm-hmm. if you look at yourself in the mirror and you think I have nothing to bring to the Mm -hmm. world around me that can make a difference Mm -hmm. that God's just asking you for obedience. That's pretty much it. And to look to him for your source of confidence and Mm -hmm. find your value in knowing that you are valuable enough for him to die for you. I love it. That reminds me of the Psalm 139, I think it is, that um, when David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, I know this well. Mm. And, you know, what's so beautiful about his confidence is he was, he was reflecting the, you know, God makes beautiful things. And I am a beautiful reflection of something that God handcrafted. I'm Mm -hmm. fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and he knew it, like he knew it. And there's no pride in that. There's just acknowledgement and confidence in that. I'm actually traveling this week with one of our pastors and his wife, and she is just a beautiful woman. And today, one of the women who was also a beautiful woman came up to her and said, you are beautiful. And she didn't say, oh, no. She said, thank you. You are too. (laughs) And I thought, what a wonderful response. Like, just thank you. And I thought, she's like David, like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know it full well. But then she just turned right around and said, you are too. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. And she's like, no, you are. And it was true. The other woman was very beautiful as well. But I was just thinking about what a beautiful thing that is. And if we all did see ourselves that way and um, knowing But really knowing who God is and how beautiful he is and how perfect and holy and and full of wisdom and all of the things that he's revealed us to be both in his word, but also in our lives. And it really does empower us then to recognize. And I think you said at the beginning that our purpose here is to reflect him. And so the more full we are of just gazing on his holiness, the more reflection he'll be in and through our lives yeah so true and it's the only way these women stepped out to do the thing that god had really uh positioned them to do Mm -hmm. otherwise they would have been doing it as a competition they would have been doing it with those Mm. those human uh that human sinful nature struggle that we struggle against trying to be number one and yet none of these women do you see that you right. just see them um, having this spirit of they knew what God had done for them in times past and gave them confidence to know that they were put here on this earth to bring value to people around them. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. Thank you, Latan. Thank you for being with us tonight. And I'm going to put a link. Let me tell everybody right now in the show notes to Latan's book, Courageous Women of the Bible, and tell us where they can follow up. They can get your book, I'm sure on Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Christian Books, um, Barnes and Noble, any of the booksellers has it. And if Mm -hmm. they don't, they will order it for you. Okay. Very good. And Latan, do you have a website? Yeah, I was going to say they could meet me there at latanmurphy.com. That would be great. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you for being with us. I so appreciate it tonight. It's been a good conversation. (laughs) Oh, it's encouraged me. That's what it does. When you and I get together, we encourage each other. So every time. So good. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I told you that you were going to love my friend Latan Murphy. Now, um, I want to remind you that we create show notes for each of these episodes. And so feel free to go over to my website and click on those show notes. I've got links to Latan's website, to her book, Courageous Women of the Bible. I've also linked to a couple of the things that we quoted in um, this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and are enjoying this summer series, please share it with your friends and go ahead and um, subscribe to the Prayer Clinic podcast and give us a rating if you love it. If you don't love it, you can just forget that I said give us a rating. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Either way, go ahead and rate us so that we know how we're doing and um, do share this podcast with your friends and, and talk it up. Hey, listen, besides podcasting, I'm also hosting this fall some fun women-only retreats at my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains. And I have chosen to just uh, camp out in my laughing place the whole month of October, which is the most beautiful month, I believe, that God has ever created, especially in my um my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains. And for several of you, I would love to spend this month with you. So if you'll go to my website at leannemccoy.com and look on there for the private retreats, you can find out more about those. Anyway, um, that'll be coming up this fall. I'm looking forward to it. For now, I want to encourage every one of you to keep on praying, my praying people. I look forward to talking to you again next week.